On your Friday episode of Locked on Raptors, we finish our week-long look at the contenders of the Eastern Conference and also the Washington Wizards with a look at the final three teams on our list. Are the Brooklyn Nets a real basketball team that's going to actually play basketball this year? We shall see. Are the Chicago Bulls in trouble with Lonzo Ball's knee kind of hanging over everything for this team? And are the Philadelphia 76ers maybe really, really awesome? I think they are, and I really hate it. We'll get into all of that with the Locked on hosts who cover each of those three teams on your final tour around the Eastern Conference. That's all coming up in just one second. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1247 of Locked on Raptors for Friday, September the 23rd. I am your host, Sean Woodley, author of the book, We the Champs, and the host of this year podcast. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow the show at Locked on Raptors, and you can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. It's no charge whatsoever. It's wonderful. You can also go over to YouTube and subscribe to the video version of the show each and every day over there to search up Locked on Raptors on YouTube. Hit the big fat red subscribe button that you can't miss, and you will have done me a service that I will forever be appreciative of. So thank you in advance for doing that. All right, on today's show, which is, of course, your first listen of the day and is brought to you by our friends over at betonline.net, your number one source for all of your sports betting needs. Go check them out right now. Again, that's betonline.net. We are finishing up our look at the Eastern Conference contender tier. Uh, Of course, we had to shoehorn the Wizards in on Wednesday as well because there's only nine good teams in my eyes in the Eastern Conference this season. Uh, But we finished it off with three teams that will very much be in the mix with the Raptors. Of course, we start off with the Brooklyn Nets, who uh, might be good, might be really bad, might trade Kevin Durant by the deadline. Who's to say? We will talk about that with Adam Armbrecht coming up first. We've also got Pat, the designer of Locked On Bulls in the middle segment. Great chat there, talking about DeMar and a whole bunch of Bulls-related stuff. And to close things out, Devon Givens of Locked On Sixers, who has been on this podcast before in crossover form back in the postseason. We dig into the new-look Sixers, the rocketified Sixers, who have all of Daryl Morey's old pals, and why I kind of think they might be a really, really good regular season season team at least we'll see in the playoffs if James Harden can actually move but in the meantime we will start things off get to our chat about the Brooklyn Nets off the top and then we'll go Bulls Sixers from there thanks for being here let's get to Adam Armbrecht first all right joining me now to continue looking at the opponents the Raptors are going to come across in the Eastern Conference this season is Adam Armbrecht from Lockdown Nets here to talk about I think a basketball team I don't know. They had a weird offseason. Kevin Durant wanted out, and then they couldn't trade him. Then he wanted back in. Kyrie Irving is still kicking around. They have Ben Simmons on this team, and they also got Royce O'Neal the day the Kevin Durant demand happened. I have to ask you first, Adam, before we get into the on-court product and all that, do you hate this team? Hate? What's the hate, man? It's a roller coaster <laughs> ride. You're gripping it, hanging on for dear life, wondering. It's like when you get older and all of a sudden you don't realize how nauseous you can get from certain uh, types of rides and roller coasters. Yeah, man. Uh, no, I, I, I don't love the the amount of time that we spend, justifiably so, 
covering things that aren't related to the basketball team, right? Sure. And that's been a lot of what the discussion has been over the last two plus seasons. I am mildly optimistic that at least, at least to start the year, we're going to be able to be focusing on Ben Simmons and on Kyrie and Kevin Durant and what this team looks like on the court. I think we're going to get that sample size. And then depending on how it goes, uh, we'll be able to keep talking about that after the trade deadline. Yeah, so just to run through what the Nets did last year, they were 44 and 38. They got Alex. swept in the first round by the Celtics pretty yes. unceremoniously. Uh, they were number eight in offense, 21st in defense. And I, I don't know what any of their numbers mean because they weren't really complete. They traded James Harden halfway through the year. They led the league in missed man games due to one guy refusing to get a vaccine. Uh, it, it was a mess that I don't think the numbers really tell any sort of story of. So what is like your expectation for what this team can be? Let's just assume these guys are available. Number one, we can argue about the varying degrees of effectiveness of a Kyrie Irving or Ben Simmons at this stage of their careers. But like if everyone's healthy, everyone is on the floor. What's the baseline expectation for this Nets team? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll tie it into, I think Ben Simmons offers a little bit more of a mystery, obviously, having not been on the court. But, mm -hmm. I mean, just to be clear, like, Kyrie Irving is still one of the best players in the league when he's on the floor. Like, there's no there's no disputing that. Getting him on the court and having him be there consistently, that's the question mark. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I think it's funny when we go through power rankings and players and where they all stack <laughs> up. I get the variables around a Kyrie Irving, but, you know, he is not. 34 going to be you know 35 years old here over the life of the contract like Kevin Durant so he's electric man if you want to keep it just purely on the court everybody's healthy and with the roster they have it's a team competing to be top three seed in the east like I, I don't mm -hmm. know how and I think people are losing sight of this again there's a lot of variables but from a talent standpoint it's impossible to look at Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Joe Harris, who has been reported in the past week that he's 100% healthy coming off of multiple ankle surgeries. If we assume Seth Curry is going to be informed, two of the top three-point shooting, you know, supporting cast members that you can have in the NBA, I don't know how you look at this, what would be their starting five-man lineup of Curry, Harris, Durant, Simmons, and let's say for the sake of argument right now, Nicholas Claxton. That is as dangerous a team as anyone while understanding there's question marks and limitations. But just like every other year for this, since, since they signed Kyrie Irving, got Kevin Durant, they are on paper one of the best teams. So you don't have Kyrie in your hypothetical starting five? I'm assuming that was just uh, a, an accidental misstep running through all what the players. What I said, what four? Well, you I, said I, Curry, I like yeah. They're so yeah. good. Oh, sorry. No, they're so good that I only do four. No, uh, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, Harris, uh, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and Nicholas Claxton with uh, Curry theoretically being that first man in off the bench. Look, I love to be pedantic. There's nothing I love more than to be pedantic on the podcast, especially with the guests who are very gracious with their time. Uh, so, Adam, let's like, like, what's the realistic expectation knowing that there will surely be some sort of extracurricular stuff with this team in some way, shape, or form. Like, it seems unavoidable, whether it's, like, a question about Kyrie and his health or... Like, I just... I can't go into the season assuming the Nets are going to be normal. That feels like a stupid decision because it's never been normal. But yeah. <laughs> if you are, like, setting an expectation for, like, how, I, I guess, much this team can withstand a little abnormality? Like, what, what would that be? Like, do you still think that even if some things go wrong, there's enough here for the Nets to still be a contender in the East? Yeah, I, I, you're right in saying, how can you go into a season with, with these key figures still involved and say, that's ah, all going to go smoothly? However, 
the benefit here would be that Kyrie Irving is on the opt-in, right? So he potentially is in a walk year. Even though mm. Kevin Durant came back to the table after the trade request and you think everything could be all sunshine and rainbows, there is also a world where you get to the deadline and things don't look so good and you go a different way. Or next offseason, they revisit those conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, on In theory, though, when you put this team on the court together, the the presence of Ben Simmons dramatically changes how successful this team can be on both ends of the floor with a level of consistency. And the reason why I say it is we know that, listen, Ben Simmons is going to be the, you know, you look at him compared to say Nicholas Claxton, same height, but Ben Simmons is bringing 15, 20, 25 pounds more weight to that uh, position there. Potentially he can be the point forward for you, the point center, whatever you want to do in positionless basketball. But the ripple effect is now Nicholas Claxton gets to be more specialized in his defensive Mm. versatility. Now on that end of the floor, Kevin Durant is picking up the third most difficult assignment, and he's using all of his length, even as he gets a little bit older, to be able to be effective on that end of the floor. So it's hard for me not to get excited about how dynamic this team can be, understanding that on the offensive end, you do need to figure out a way to get through iso ball. And I think that's the fascinating piece. If Steve Nash, still the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, in case anyone was wondering, Canadian mm-hmm. friend of the Raptors, I'm sure. Um, Ultimatum survivor. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. When you release a press statement that says Steve Nash and the Nets have met with uh, Kevin Durant, there's certainly a message being sent there. But as long as he can figure out, as long as they can figure out whether or not one, because it's a fair question, that Steve Nash can coach and can execute a game plan and does have versatility and scheme to versatility, then you just need to influence Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to be willing to buy into that and not get stuck into ISO ball because that's the big X factor here. Not having them through process or by their own determination decide it's going to be me or nothing. And the the injuries, the inconsistencies, the poorly shaped supporting cast this past season specifically, that impacted, I think, the ability for this team to give you a consistent product on both ends of the floor that allows you to really start to dream on what they can be. So let's just do the thing then where we assume things will be fine and normal and the Nets will be operating as a regular basketball team. Kyrie's not being weird. Everything's fine. Ben Simmons is back being Ben Simmons. Mm -hmm. What to you is the biggest area of concern, even with a fully functioning Nets roster? Like, is it the lack of wing defense? I know Royce O'Neal comes in, but like he's six foot four. He's had a lot of trouble with the bigger wings in the past. Is it something else? Is it, you know, secondary creation, whatever it might be? Where do you think the potential downfall for this team could be, assuming they make their way to the postseason as a top three or four seed because they've been normal? Where do you think things maybe need to be addressed in order to sort of cover over some weaknesses that might still exist? Yeah, you probably still want to have more size in the backcourt there, right, at your guard positions. They brought back Chris Gioza champion Chris Chioza from the Golden State Warriors um, uh, for a camp visit. Like in theory, that's an area of concern unless Ben Simmons is doing more of the facilitator role. And that kind of changes that dynamic. You know, you brought in TJ Warren. He can pick up the scoring effort. I I think the difficult part is there are a number of players. You go as long as he's healthy, as long as he's back from injury, as long as he's healthy. Right. And you do that Mm -hmm. enough times. And at some point you have to start to feel like there is an area of concern there. Obviously matchups are going to be difficult. Brooklyn Nets fans talk so much. Who's going to bang bodies with Joel Embiid 
Well, ask any team who's going to bang bodies with Joel Embiid. Right? Nobody, like some, yeah. Exactly. Like, that, <laughs> Marc Gasol is in Spain now. Nobody. <laughs> there's always a fallacy around that, right, of answering a question that doesn't uh, – who's going to stop Giannis, right? Like, I mean, like yeah. don't ask stupid questions if you don't want to hear someone say that's a dumb question. I think the most important thing for the Nets is having their identity, having a consistent identity about what they are on both ends of the floor and then trusting that you can build and grow on that. But, yeah – thinking Royce O'Neal is the automatic replacement for Bruce Brown just because he's, they're both short and they guard bigger positions doesn't mean that that's a one-for-one one replacement. So I think there's a, there's a little bit of that, and I wouldn't mind having another ball handler because Patty Mills is going to be limited when he comes in off the bench, whatever that share looks like. Seth Curry can create, but really after Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons can handle that ball. You know, Joe Harris is a spot-up three-point shooter. Like, that's it. Nicholas Claxton, not a ball handler in the front court, right? Dayron Sharp, if he's going to have some small role in his second year, it's going to be setting screens and grabbing rebounds. So there's a lack of ball handling there, and I think you have to develop what is that going to look like from the starting rotation and then players coming in off the bench. They have guys that can do it. It's just a matter of do they secure those roles and show they're capable of doing it consistently. Consistency is the biggest question mark for this team coming into the season. So with all of that, let's uh, bring to you the three-pronged question I've asked every host who's joined me to talk about their teams this week. Uh, sure. Your answer is binding. You you can't do anything. It's in stone for the rest of time. Give me a wins prediction. Give me a seed prediction. And how far will the Nets advance in this year's postseason? Oh, golly, that's a good one. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot out there to consider including like where you think the Eastern conference stands and, mm -hmm. and whether or not, you know, Milwaukee who made some moves, but maybe also suffered some injuries, you know, where, where are they in this process? They're still looking at Brooke Lopez being a contributor. I'm just, just kind of thinking off the top of my dome here. Um, <laughs> I expect this team, all things being considered, they should be a 50, you know, three to 55 win regular season team. I understand there's going to be growing pains early for them, they should be a fit. Yeah, I think they should be a 50, 55 win team. I think that there's no reason that they should be any lower than a four seed in the East. If I wanted to go bold, I'll say that they should be the three seed at a minimum in the Eastern Conference. And they damn well better. I'm not, I'm not even going to say, oh, get out of the first round. That, that, that'd be inexcusable if we're saying that everything works out for them from a health standpoint. They got to win two play. I mean, you know, saying that they need to be pushing hard to be in the Eastern Conference finals, like I, everyone has this of everything that's gone on, which makes it really hard to then go back to your roots, go back to your core and say, nope, this is the talent level. This is where the expectations should lie. The expectation should be top three seed Eastern Conference finals. Like that's what the talent tells you. It's a matter of whether or not we stop having these weird case scenarios where everything seems to go awry for this team, something that has certainly plagued them in the Kyrie, Kevin Durant era. Well, it'll surely be interesting. I'm sure we'll check in throughout the season to talk about the very normal and not at all weird Brooklyn Nets. And uh, it was a blast, man. Thank you so much for popping on the show. Always. And we will get to that chat with Pat, the designer of Locked on Bulls, to dig into Chicago's fate coming into the year in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at BetOnline.net, your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, matchups, news, injury reports, in-depth articles and analysis, everything that you might need. Even get podcasts to inform your wagering on football each and every week. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there 
Of course, MLB, the playoffs are ratcheting up very soon here. You got your Toronto Blue Jays. Maybe you want to do the happiness hedge that I recommend people do all the time. If you're a Blue Jays fan, bet against the team the Blue Jays are playing against in the playoffs. I'm sorry, bet for that team. So if that team beats the Blue Jays, at least you have some money to make yourself feel a little bit less sad. That's the way to do it. The fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite games is bet online. You got, of course, one-off events like MMA, boxing, and golf as well. Head to the betonline.net website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action bet online is where the game starts and we get back to it now our conversation with pat the designer of locked on bulls here it is and we move ever closer to finishing up our tour around the eastern conference contenders by checking in on the chicago bulls who of course last year were the darlings of the nba for the first half of the season demar Derozan was putting in an mvp case and then things kind of fell apart the bulls come and finish sixth in the eastern conference they get waxed by the bucks in the first round and here we are today getting ready for a season that doesn't quite have the same level of optimism it doesn't feel like as it did last year at times. Joining me to dig into the Bulls is Pat the Designer, one of the co-hosts of Locked On Bulls. Pat, thanks so much for being here, man. I appreciate you for having me on, man. Can't wait to talk about uh, little Bulls. Yeah, we, we were talking about little Bulls, Raptors, not beef, love, <laughs> love beef relationships. So I, I, I appreciate being on. I, I always felt like a certain kinship, even during the days where the Bulls were getting their asses handed to them by the, or what the Raptors were getting their asses handed to them by the Bulls year after yeah. year. It was always just like, yeah, but we exist in LeBron's East, and so we're kind of on the same <laughs> level. We're like, we're all just the the, the peasants in this conference. And yeah, so, basically. Yeah, there was always a little bit of, I, I think, uh, you know, real recognize real there a little bit. Yeah, for <laughs> um, sure. Let's start off, I always like to kind of get a vibe for what the fan base is feeling going into a season, and last year, I know all of my Bulls fan friends were extremely ecstatic. Even as things were kind of going down the tubes at the back part of the season, they were just happy to be watching a team that was going to make the playoffs and was having exciting things happen. DeMar was doing his thing. Doesn't quite feel the exact same way going into this year. I know a lot of the Vegas odds have them as like the ninth best team in the East, kind of maybe even a tier below the tier that maybe the Raptors and the Hawks and the Cavs and those teams find themselves in. Uh, so, Pat, like, are, are Bulls fans feeling optimism going into this year, or is it like a sense of dread that, hey, maybe last year was kind of the peak for what this core can do? I think there's a mix, right? Like, whenever you have a city like Chicago where you have a strong uh, fan base for multiple sports. You have your fans and then you have your fanatics, right? Sure. Your fanatics live and die on every single game. Um, the Bulls are gloom and doom at the end of the season. And there was a lot of bad there at the end of the season to go into, but there are, it also was paired with a lot of injury, a lot of trying to get guys back, a lot of guys rushing themselves back. And so I think there's a good mix of like, there are those fans that still feel good about this Bulls team, right? And look at it from the standpoint of, hey, this team may not have done the same things in the offseason this year that they did last year, but it's because they signed a lot of good players last year. Mm -hmm. So I think around the fan base, right, when you when you listen into what people are saying, there's more so concern about mm -hmm. how healthy this Bulls team can be, and that seems to be the plague of Chicago sports in general <laughs> from the White Sox to – the Bears doing okay right now, but they're losing the pack. But, uh, but <laughs> that seems to be the theme of Chicago sports, and so I think Chicago's more so concerned about – can we be healthy this season over is this team talented enough to win? 
So that brings me to Lonzo Ball, who, like, I don't think it's a coincidence that around the time he went down last year is when the Bulls started to struggle. Yeah. Uh, you know, Alex Caruso was a big part of that, too. Shout out Grayson Allen. Uh, God, Grayson Allen. Just the worst. We don't like him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't I think, think anybody everyone... in the NBA does, no. and I'm okay with that. There's Bucks fans that look at Grayson Allen like, I'm, I wish you weren't here. Yeah, like, really? Do we got to be doing this? <laughs> yeah, he belongs on the Jazz. We all know this. Uh, <laughs> but, well, so... Last year, the Bulls ended up finishing, let me just find it here, number 22 in defense. Yep. Uh, and Lonzo Ball was a big part of that, obviously. Yep. Or a big part of the early part of the season where they were actually average on defense or better than that. They dropped down as they missed Lonzo and Caruso for those long stretches. Still a little bit of uncertainty as to what Lonzo's status actually is coming into this year. Do you have like a, a read on what the situation is there as someone in Chicago? And then like also, what does lonzo mean to the sort of outlook for this team is it kind of a matter of if there's no lonzo this team's kind of screwed or do they have enough on the fringes to maybe survive as the way for him to come back i think there there's more of a concern around lonzo right there's the, the, listen as unknown as it is to you it's just as unknown to us and it's sure. because like casey johnson dropped uh, an article yesterday we basically said some days it's great for lonzo some days he's able to come out and play some days he has discomfort in that knee uh, dealing with that bone bruise. And I think that's kind of the thing where it's very up and down um, and, and it sends and it sends the Bulls kind of into a state of flux. The one thing that I can say, though, is that when you look at where the Bulls are, guard is not our biggest problem. And mm. the one thing that really excites me coming into this season, I would rather have it with Lonzo there, but a step that could be taken by one young player in Io DeSumo that the Bulls have. Um, mm. Io was one of the, the best defenders in the NBA in that first half of the season, all pretty much till he hit his rookie wall, and you could tell that he was just gassed every <laughs> night. Um, but he did a great job on guys like Darius Garland, Trey Young. Did okay on Fred Van Bleek. Got a little cooked at the end there. But did okay on a guy <laughs> like Fred Van Bleek. Fred, Fred started cooking. Who among us? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, like he, he he proved to be one of the better defenders in the NBA. And in, in college, he was more of a combo guard. You could see he had flashes of trying to get the scoring up. But he had to do so much, and he was adjusting to so much at once, right? I think he's the piece that Bulls fans really look at and say, okay, I feel better about Lonzo taking his time coming back because we have this young guy who seems like he's developing moving in the right direction and was able to run the team in his rookie year where you're supposed to be confused by everything that's happening around him. <laughs> and he did yeah. a really good job on that so i think that that get, makes us feel a little bit better but you would absolutely rather have lonzo out there i mean at the end of the day the defense is one of the top defenses in the nba when lonzo was on the floor uh your offense was one of the top offenses in the nba when lonzo was on the floor in transition and finishing at the bucket right so there was a lot of things that Lonzo brings to this team um, that you absolutely miss and you hope to get back. But at the end of the day, right, I, I've been telling Bulls fans this all season. The beginning part of the season doesn't matter. Like, it, it's fun yeah. to watch. It's enjoyable. But, right, we were in first place for most of the beginning part of the season. The second half is where it matters. So if Lonzo Ball is coming back after All-Star break, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, that makes total As long sense. as he's and coming back to stay. <laughs> Yeah, that would be nice and helpful. Uh, and Io is awesome. He's very, very cool. Love watching that dude. Uh, another young guy who I guess Bulls fans are really hoping is going to pop this year is Patrick Williams, who yep. uh, missed most of last year with, uh, what was it, like an ankle or a knee or something broken, like that? Uh, broken wrist trying to dunk. Oh, it was a wrist. It was Isaiah Stewart. Right, right. Yeah. 
Uh, that's a hard man to punch. Uh, <laughs> 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 what are you doing there, man? Oh, no, no, yeah, no. that's uh, it's tough. It, it's it, it was not great not to have that guy in the lineup last year, like yeah. mostly for the development, you would think, right? Like yeah. he's in this like second season, you would figure that's where he's going to pick up a lot of the reps that are going to help inform what his game's going to become. He misses out on that a ton. Yeah. Obviously, still a lot of like, still a lot to like there. And one of my favorite bits of trivia is that he's younger than Scotty Barnes, which seems yeah. impossible. Uh, and I guess, like, what's the level of optimism with Williams? And, like, what kind of player can people realistically expect him to be now going into his third year? I think in the third year, right, this is the year that you really want to see the step from Patrick Williams, the understanding, because he's got a lot of things working in his, in his favor. The one thing that I can say about a lot of the Bulls players that were young in the previous regime was that there wasn't a lot there, right? Like, it's young players trying to teach young players how to be better young players. Sure. It doesn't always <laughs> work, right? I think this year you have a little bit more excitement around Patrick Williams, one, because you've seen how he's kind of taken on – how he – Finished out his season, played decent in the playoffs, had a couple of 20-plus point games, finished out the season with a 35-point game, right, and kind of worked his way into that rotation, feeling strong. But then also, right, DeMar DeRozan really keying in on him, taking him under his wing. If he takes an eighth of what DeMar DeRozan brings to the court, right, you're looking at this young guy and you're feeling really good about it. Oh, by the way, he's a really, really good defender on top mm -hmm. of that. So I think you feel good about Patrick Williams coming into this season. I think there's still some like, okay, this is year three. Usually by this point, right, we know what a player is. For mm. the most part, there, there's some guys that surprise you. And because of Patrick Williams' age, you still have that hope that like, okay, he's going to pop. This is going to be a season that he takes that step. Uh, and this is going to be the season that he validates where he was drafted at the fourth overall pick. But you, there is still that little bit of uneasiness around him on is he going to be able to take that step? Is he going to get the opportunity to take that step? Because remember, right, he essentially has to become your third scoring option on this team, and that's mm -hmm. a team that has Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vucevic. Not to mention if Lonzo Ball does come back, right, Lonzo Ball was shooting above 40%. He's going to get his opportunities to take his shots as well. So I think that there's a lot of you, – you look at Patrick Williams as a guy that has to force his way into the lineup, and that's what you hope he's able to do this season. I would like to see it. He seems like a cool player. I, yeah. And, you know, more Florida State propaganda. I have nothing wrong with that. I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a Patrick Williams, <laughs> Devin Vassell kind of guy. Yeah, I mean. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, so we love DeMar DeRozan in these parts, of course. Yeah. Uh, he's very good. He's very awesome. Everybody loves him. And it seems like Bulls fans love him, too. I'm just going to give you the floor here for like 90 seconds. Just wax about how much DeMar DeRozan rocks. DeMar DeRozan is amazing, not because DeMar DeRozan is just going to be able to go out there and score points, but it's how he scores points, dog. And I don't think I realized this when he was in Toronto, right? DeMar plays his game. He gets to mm -hmm. his spots. No matter what you do, I'm going to be <laughs> in my spot, and I'm going to knock this shot down. It doesn't matter what you do, and I think that that's something, right, that the Bulls really needed on this team. And he just he gave you such a boost in the arm, right? And I, I love the fact that last year he was able to prove so many people wrong. Remember, he was the worst signing of the offseason. The worst <laughs> signing of the offseason. Uh, so I love that he was able to prove so many people wrong. And my hope for DeMar this year is that he's able to continue with the percentage-wise, but he doesn't have to work as hard because the Bulls are a little bit healthier. 
Imagine thinking tomorrow's the worst signing of an offseason in which Evan Fournier gets four years from the Knicks. Uh, what are we talking I, about I, here? I was so confused because it was just like, <laughs> even if he puts up San Antonio numbers, he's not yeah. the worst signing of the offseason. How dare they sign this proven excellent player, these morons. Uh, last one for you, Pat. I, I've done this with every host I brought on for these quick little tours around the Eastern Conference. Give me a win prediction, a seeding prediction, and how far will the Bulls advance in this year's playoffs i think the bulls will still be a top five team this year uh i do have them probably at about close to where they were right 46 to 48 wins this season i don't know if they'll crack 50 this year either just because again the eastern conference is another year older and has gotten a lot tougher but uh, I do still I do still value this Bulls team as a a team that when 100 percent healthy is one of the scariest teams in the East, not only just offensively, but defensively as well. Uh, and so I have a lot of I, I it call me a homer. It is what it is. Um, I think the Bulls probably get into the second round this season. I mean, it depends on who you play, but it's going to be based mm -hmm. on if they're able to kind of stay in that top five position, right? If they're if they're six, seven, or eight, it's going to be a little tougher to uh, to advance when you got to go through Giannis and or uh, Kevin Durant again, possibly. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. I think you know, I don't know if I'm as high on the Bulls as you, but I'm also not as low as a lot of people seem to be. Like, I don't think they're like a clear number nine in the East or anything like that. Like, that could be any one of these teams that we've kicked around yeah. all week long. Uh, but like, I don't know. Demar is pretty great. He, he's a wins machine, man. Like the teams he's on tend to win a lot of games, and he kind of raises your floor like that, which is pretty fun. Uh, this was a lot of fun, Pat. Thank you so much for popping on the show. I'm sure we'll chat throughout the season as the Raptors and Bulls cross paths. Where can people check out your work? For uh, Man, follow me on everything at Pat the Designer, as you can see on the screen. Make sure to check us both out over on Locked Out Bulls, me and my host, uh, uh, Hayes. And you can always find me on Locked On NBA with Nick Angstead and just having fun over there, man. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. <laughs> that uh, guy. <laughs> <laughs> Have you done Dallas yet? <laughs> we won't be talking about the match. Oh, okay. Thankfully. All right. <laughs> uh, we're just keeping an Eastern Conference here. Uh, any excuse to not have Nick on my show, I'm just going for that. <laughs> Uh, that's going to do it. Thank you so much, man. We'll come back on the other side and round out our tour around the Eastern Conference with a look at the Philadelphia 76ers with Devon Givens. That's coming up in just one second. All right, joining me now to conclude our tour around the heavy hitters and Washington of the Eastern Conference, it is Devon Givens from Locked On Sixers, who we last spoke to when the Raptors and Sixers were squaring off back in, oh God, April. It feels like it was a very long time ago, but... Since then, the Sixers have lost in the second round in kind of embarrassing fashion to the Miami Heat. They've made a whole bunch of offseason moves. They've brought back James Harden, and Devon is here now to tee up the season for Philly, which should be a fascinating one. Devon, let's start with James Harden, shall we? Last we saw him, at least here in Toronto, he had his moments, obviously. Game 6 was a big game for him uh, in yeah. that Raptors-Sixers series, but we also saw in that series Malachi Flynn locking his ass up and other things like that, which maybe are a little concerning if you're a Sixers fan. What's the read on Harden coming into this season? I know it's like best shape of his life stuff all summer long. Muscle watches on for Harden, but is there like an actual belief that maybe the hamstring stuff that might have been bothering him last year and the year before maybe is kind of behind him now? What's the level of expectation for what Harden can be coming into this season? Uh, at least ahead of media day and training camp right now from all the videos that you've seen and just from things that you hear in background a little bit that that he is in, in really good physical shape right now. And uh, the, the injuries are behind him. 
Uh, that is something that appears to be a part of what the storyline is from slowing them down a bit in the postseason. And I think for a lot of Sixer fans, Sean, it really is about getting a, a clear view of him from day one, acquiring him from Brooklyn via the trade deadline in February, knowing about the hamstring injuries that followed him for the past two seasons, I believe, with Brooklyn mm-hmm. uh, while he was there. That was something, of course, that we had on our minds here locally, if it's something that is a part of it outside of just the age. And now we're going to find out because, as you said, Malachi Flynn having some success there and and others that had success at least to stand in front of him and making him adjust and alter his shot a bit where we haven't seen that in the past, not only from the adjustment of the shot, but also the explosion off the bounce and getting to the basket. So right now it seems like all signs are pointing pointing in the right, right direction for James Harden and his health where he is at this time coming in and being a part of the Sixers from day one when training camp gets underway. Yeah, I mean, I think that series is super telling as to like what a fully functioning Harden can do to kind of unlock this team because when he was at his best, game six comes to mind where yep. the Raptors had to change their coverage back up to send extra attention his way because that first step was working because he was getting downhill. It opens up Tyrese Maxey to be this off-ball monster who's horrifying to think about him getting on the catch and going downhill himself. Obviously, you know, the... Harden and Embiid pick and roll was like the most efficient play in basketball after the trade last year as well. Harden, obviously, like this team is only interesting to me in the sort of grand scheme of the Eastern Conference if Harden's at his full full peak and he's kind of in that top 15 range of players. And maybe he's he's back to that. And if that's the case, then the Sixers are going to be a freaking problem in the playoffs. Um, let's go to some of the new additions. Lots of offseason moves, lots of Houston Rockets ties to the guys who have been brought in. Right. Uh, P.J. Tucker, DeAnthony Melton, Daniel House, uh, Montrez Harrell, the most recent one as well. Of those four guys, I think you could argue each of them kind of offers a specific thing that the Sixers needed. Who do you think will be the most impactful addition to the Sixers this season? Well, Sean, I will start with the fact that you bring up all four. The one attribute that they all provide with the Sixers lack was toughness. Right. And all four of them bring that nastiness, that toughness, the edge that the Sixers, in my opinion, have desperately needed for the past few years. The talent itself was good enough to get them to where they were. Number one seed, number two seed, number three seed. Uh, in these past five playoff appearances that they've had and getting to the second round, they lack something. And I think this is going to help them in the long run throughout the entirety of the season, the depth overall with it. But the one that really stands out to me uh, personally, and all of them, as you said, provide one thing or another, I'm really bullish on the addition of the Anthony Melton, uh, of what he can provide as a not only a backup point guard, but a, a backup guard who can help out in a lot of different ways because of his defensive acumen, the length that he has as a smaller guard in terms of his size, but his wingspan, uh, his tenacity that he brings, and that being able to play not only with Tyrese Maxey, but also being able to be on the floor at the same time as Tyrese Maxey, maybe being on the floor at the same time with all all three of them, uh, featuring a lineup that that goes there, and you can have P.J. Tucker, Tobias Harris at the four spot, with Joel Embiid, of course, in the middle, or however Doc Rivers decides to do so, there's versatility there with DeAnthony Melton. I can certainly point out one for each and every one from Harold to House and certainly Tucker, who I would think would be a starting player for Doc Rivers' team. DeAnthony Melton is the one that I'm really, really intrigued and excited about watching him from afar from his USC days to his Phoenix Suns, then Memphis days now here in Philadelphia. That's one that really stands out for me. 
What should we be expecting from Joel Embiid this year in terms of like the level of attention he is paying to going and winning an MVP? Of course, he's been the runner-up the last two years to Jokic, uh, and you know hasn't been happy about it. <laughs> that's that's for sure. Or, or and he should have yeah, at least had one. That's fair. Hey, if, you, if that's uh, your stance on it, I, it's hard to disagree with that. He's been really, really fantastic. The issue with Embiid seems to have been that you get to the playoffs and he's just kind of worn down from the load he carries during the regular season. And so I'm wondering, like, is this a year maybe where Embiid doesn't prioritize going to win that MVP and instead is sort of preserving himself for the postseason? Maybe the Sixers themselves are trying to sort of scale it back. The face you're making suggests that maybe that's not the case and Embiid's going to go balls to the wall anyway. Maybe you just hope that there's enough help around him that he's not having to put the whole team on his back all season long as he chases that MVP. The, the face I was making is because, Sean, and I'm not standing up for Joel Embiid. I, I, I love his game. I, I think that he had an argument for at least one of the two MVP mm -hmm. uh, awards these past two seasons. And the one that he didn't, he wasn't eligible for enough games. So I understood how that went last season is another story. Right. Uh, the reason I'm making the faces when it comes to the MVP part is every player wants to win the number one award there <laughs> outside of the, the, national, the, the uh, world championship. Everyone sure. always believes that they are the best player in the NBA. Who wouldn't want to win that award? And the thing that I always fight back for him uh, in the sense is, he doesn't bring it up himself. Right. He's asked about it. Right. And when he asks, he's, he's answering these questions, he's honest. And when he's honest, isn't that what we want from athletes? We oftentimes talk about how calculated they are with their answers and things of that nature. And him saying, what else am I supposed to do? Not ignoring how good Jokic is, but just simply talking about, I played the necessary games. I thought I had a better second a year than I did the previous season when it was talked about I didn't play those games. What else did I need to do? And my team was one of the tops in the league, and I was also an all-star once again, all that stuff. That's where I defend him a little bit because he's answering the question. What else is he supposed to say outside of, sure. I, I, don't, I don't care about that. But then we will be saying, well, that's not, that's not true because, of course, you want to win. So <laughs> that's the only thing that, that I, I, I do – defend him on with that because he's asked he's answering we all want to win it i want to win the best award for my job just like you would sean also so um but as far as that goes what type of mb you're going to get you're going to get the same guy that you always get where the ball right. the offense is going to flow through him he is going to be uh, an all-star once again he's going to be the most dominant big man in the game yet again and still drift out to the perimeter a bit because that's the skill set that he has and, and with his game and I do think, though, that with the depth that they have overall, Sean is going to help them where so mm -hmm. much is on him, where the trust is from not only the starters, but for, for Melton to House to maybe Matisse Thibault. George Niang fits very well with James Harden and, and Joel Embiid because of his outside shooting ability. And then when Montrezl Harrell is out there, you know, offensively, maybe they don't have to rush as much to put him back on the floor if Harrell is having a good offensive game uh, on that end. He's not known like Drummond. And Dwight Howard uh, in the past is the backups, not known for his defensive and rebounding acumen, but the offense we do know is there. But I do think Joel Embiid is going to be Joel Embiid, go out there and put the numbers. And I think he will, I think he will dismiss, if you will, with the answering of the question, the MVP talk a little bit more and mm -hmm. focus on it uh, of just being what it is for the team to win and go get the championship. Because at this point, 
I think he's just tired of talking about it and tired of having any questions. By the way, one more thing to follow up in standing up for him. He always talks about wanting to win the championship, and that's always ignored when answering the MVP question. Look, as someone who finds every MVP conversation every year to be the worst thing that's ever happened, uh, I I, I hope that he is, in fact, going to uh, maybe not indulge those questions uh, as they're thrown at him. That would be lovely. Maybe stop asking him the questions. What a wonderful thing that would be. Uh, Let's round it out here, Devon, with the uh, thing I've been doing with all of these little Uh, check-ins. I'm going to ask you a three-pronged question. You have to answer. It's binding. There's no turning back. Sorry, it's in stone. Uh, give me a win total prediction for the season, a seeding for the uh, Sixers in the East, and how far will they advance in the playoffs? I have them as the third seed in the East behind Boston and Milwaukee. I may be able to change. You said it is binding, so I'm going to stick with the third seed. <laughs> binding just, only in Locked On Raptors canon, I should say. I, you, I can do, you can change it on your own show if you'd like. It's fine. Yeah, only because <laughs> as much as I like what Boston has done, the uh, Danilo Gallinari injury is something that is is uh, something that I think will be uh, a problem for them a little bit because I did like that addition along with Malcolm Brockton. But I'll stick with the third seed in the Eastern Conference because I do believe that they'll be that good. I think they'll be in, in, in a range of, I'll give you a single number. I'll go with 53 wins okay. for the campaign. And I do think they finally get past the second round and, and get to the Eastern Conference Finals for a right to play for the NBA championship. I love it. Uh, I actually think the Sixers are going to be the one seed this year. I think they're going to win like 58 games, and it doesn't give me any pleasure to say it. However, I don't think they're getting past the second round again. I think they'll probably run into a team like the Bucks or some team that's kind of coasted through the regular season, and they like doing all the work to get the one seed. They'll end up with a team that maybe t- t- tops them in the second round. Uh, but I think they're going to be a monster in the regular season. And like my opinion is subject to change if James Harden looks like James Harden, capital J, capital H, as opposed to the guy we saw in the playoffs last year, because that did not inspire a ton of confidence. But uh, if we see like a return to form for him, this team is going to be a monster. And- and with not only the Danilo Gallinari thing, but Robert Williams' injury, and also the fact that maybe the Celtics aren't going to have Ime Odoka the entire season now uh, for a story that is yet to be fully reported at the time of recording. And so we're not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole, but that could be a problem. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think they're going to be really good. I think they're going to win a lot of games, and it's going to be super frustrating. And uh, the Raptors will at least have one game where they hold Joel Embiid to zero points, but that's it. Uh, <laughs> that's going to do it. Thanks yeah. so much, Devon, for, for hanging out. Uh, where can people check out all your great work? Uh, check us out at, uh, of course, Devon G975 on Twitter, Locked on 76ers with my partner, Keith Pompey Daily, uh, Monday through Friday, and on the radio side in Philadelphia, 97.5 The Fanatic. You can also check it out on the app and on the stream, uh, also on the uh, website. Uh, Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 is my time. Kind of juggles a little bit with football season, the Philadelphia Eagles and all the things that we do with our football shows, but uh, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Uh, Everyone go check out Devon, and thank you for tuning in. We'll be back again on Monday for Media Day. We're going to do episode, I think, down from Scotiabank Arena as Media Day unfolds. I'll be there. In fact, Jacob will be there for the typical Monday show. It might be a live episode, so just stay tuned if you're a listener of the show. I'll have announcements on the YouTube channel and on Twitter and stuff like that about what exactly Monday's show will look like. i got to kind of get the lay of the land down at Media Day first before we can commit to anything. Either way, 
Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Go make your second listen of the day locked at NBA as we continue to dive into the top 50 players presented by Bet Online this season. And uh, I was on part three talking about Pascal Siakam's ludicrous ranking at number 30 after being an All-NBA player last season. Makes no sense, but go check out my explanation as to why it makes no sense and uh, all of the players who are ranked ahead of him and why they also make no sense. We'll get to that. That's on Locked at NBA, your second listen every day. Go check it out and uh, have a great weekend. Bye-bye.